The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Hapsent Minded. My name is Jared Book, alongside Anton Rosgaard. Anton, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. How uh, how have your week been in Canada? Are you still in like a curfew situation? We we start we are still in curfew, and it is still going on. And I am looking forward to not having to stay up until one o'clock in the morning today which uh, is, is going to be nice for at least one more day because yeah, it's, it, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not an, a hard adjustment, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to not having to, to stay up too long. We'll start it off with the news that broke on Friday, or I guess did it, is it news? I guess it's still news, even though there's no suspension, but yep. the news that Tyler Myers will not uh, be suspended or face supplemental dif- discipline from the NHL uh, Department of Player Safety for his hit on UL Armia. And I, I'll, I'll say this right away before we that we we are recording before the video has been released by NHL Player Safety, but we know it's coming, but we, we know what it's going to say anyway. And I, I guess we'll, we'll start. Anton, what did you, what, what's your reaction to, to no suspension? Yeah, I think it's a coward move. I, I don't understand why they are not spending him at least for a few games. I think it was, I think it was, um, I think it was an awful hit, and I think he should he should be suspended. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see what kind of excuse they will use this time. But yeah, I don't understand it. it it's fun as you say, like the news, but it's basically anti news because nothing happened. When I first saw it, I'm like, okay, that's he's going to be suspended for yeah. sure, and then. As as more replays started being shown of it, people were started saying it doesn't look like it's contact to the head. And then yeah. the problem with that is that once that once the rule gets put into those terms, it matters. And at that point, you kind of felt okay. It might not be a suspension because of the 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 primary point of of contact the principal point of contact yeah yeah and and because it was the chest and it made his head and then it hit his head it it's it's not as suspendable by the rule book whether that's a good rule or not that's a completely different uh conversation and and the blind side aspect doesn't come into it either because the hit wasn't the head wasn't the primary point of contact so my first reaction was definitely suspension. Then I was like, ooh, maybe not. And then I thought they would suspend him just because the two teams play again on Saturday. 
and uh and so i thought maybe okay maybe they'll you know not put him in the line of fire for that but yeah. you know that's obviously that's not the way that they went and i think that that's what we'll we'll talk about i the video we'll talk about is is that because yeah i mean it, it's i i don't really i don't it i don't really care that much because i don't think you know if you ascend for one game does it really make a difference does it yeah really, for it, the canucks it does because they have no defense <laughs> oh i mean it's not like tyler myers played very well anyway no 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 sure but like they have no, no one to call up either right right like, yeah. but I, i'm just wondering as well do they give tyler myers a bit of leeway because he's a six foot eight mon- monster so it's just like well i mean he, he he has trouble hitting people normally as it is because he's such a huge freak so it's just like i mean it's kind of difficult i don't i don't know i just feel like you know i i i I thought it would be a suspension still um, just because even if it wasn't the primary contact to the head, it's still um, a significant hit in an unnecessary. Yeah. I, I understand the rule book and everything um, and it may be, but, but it just feels like uh, the way the NHL has been trying to reduce those. Um, yeah. I mean, reduce concussions and everything. It just feels like uh, it would be something to make an example of, but who knows? Yeah. I, I think I think my main issue is with the rule, not with the yeah. decision. Yeah. I, I I think I understand the decision, yeah. but I don't think I think that that's the kind of hit you want to take out of the game. Yeah, and and I think that that should there should be some leeway in the rule book for that. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't necessarily think it was a bad decision. I just think it's a bad rule. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I so they are following the current rule book. So, yeah. like, you can't you you can't blame the the board uh, for for making yeah. that judgment. I mean, they they are supposed to follow the rules. That's why they are there. They are legally trained people. But uh, yeah, we should go deeper in that maybe and change the rule. Yeah, because I, I think the intent is like is 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 not where it should be, and I don't think that you necessarily suspend because he got a concussion either right because no. that's not that's not the intent of the rule either no, no, no. so I, I think that there needs to be some kind of leeway for you know situation of the game and and things like that i mean it's it's so hard to say uh what his intent was yeah but and i think that's where a problem is it's like you know if you're a canadians fan you're like oh this was 100 percent dirty it's because they were losing by so much he had four points and, and part of me is just like, I don't even know if Tyler Myers knew who he was hitting. No, I don't think he did. <laughs> right? so yeah. I, it's just, I, 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 it's one of those hits where I, I don't necessarily think Tyler Myers wanted to injure Yoel Armia. Uh, I think, I think it's time, difficult as well because yeah. the Canadians had been blazing past him all night. So it's just like, I mean, he didn't care who he was hitting at that point, I think. Yeah. I, I think he was probably just frustrated in general and like, yeah. I want to hit somebody. And then he hit him in the shoulder. His shoulder kind of goes up into the head, and he's like, "Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, I, I guess I'll getting my my equipment off early, kind of thing." <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I also don't blame the referees for because apparently it was a it was a replay that came out afterwards that the referees didn't have access to that showed clearly where the point of contact was, because if you look at the overhead view, it does look like a contact to the head. But apparently there's another replay where it was not. And it's yep. more clear that way. So uh, I don't know. We'll hear the explanation. I, I think that that's what, the, that's what everyone thinks the, the video is going to say. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that, we'll just go from there kind of thing. But yeah, I, I, it's, 
I, I really don't. And I don't get people saying, oh, this just means we should injure Canucks players now. And I'm like, oh, no, God, that, no. That doesn't, that doesn't fix anything, right? You, you, no, can't say, just... you can't say the league doesn't care about its players and then say, injure everybody else in the other team. No, we're, we're not living in biblical times anymore. I mean, it's not eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Like, yeah. I mean, the Canadians won the game by seven to three. That's That's got to hurt Canucks fans and the Canucks players enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you know you want to you want to hurt them win the game. Yeah, you know exactly. that, that's, that's that's the thing. It's, it's you know it's message sending and all that. I don't think it matters. It, it, we're, no. we're past that. We're past that um, yeah. at this point. Play a clean game. No yeah. penalties. Right, right, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. Mm, but yeah, yeah, the last thing the Canadians want to do is take more penalties. Exactly. Uh, I, do you I hear that, that Kotkaniemi? <laughs> yeah. Don't just don't say anything. Yeah. Stay finished and don't say anything. Exactly. Um, <laughs> moving on. And kind of, well, what we talked about, obviously, the hit and the injury to Yoel Armia. Uh, Paul Byron also left the game early, taking mm. a shot off his foot. Uh, he is day to day. He did not practice on Friday and may not play on Saturday. And that means, well, what it means for sure is that Corey Perry will get into the lineup. Yeah. Because that, that, that's what it seems like uh, is going to happen. He skated with uh, Jesperi Kutkiniemi and Tyler Toffoli. And I, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see Corey Perry into the lineup. Part of me thinks that a lot of people are expecting a lot more from Corey Perry than Corey Perry can give. And, and I, think, <laughs> yeah. I talked about this a little bit on the, on the podcast. I think we talked about this before, but I, I just feel like he, he you know, his job is probably going to be to create space and get the puck to Tyler Toffoli. He's not going to become Tyler Toffoli. No, definitely not. But I mean, he still has a good shot. Like uh, that yeah. doesn't go away the same way, but maybe he doesn't have, he doesn't have the speed to maybe release the shot anymore in that, in that sense, because naturally he's older now. And there's a reason why he w- went unclaimed on waivers so that the Canadians were able to put him on the taxi squad in the first place, but just a veteran presence. And uh, I think we've talked about that several times before. It feels much more secure to put in a Corey Perry on the third line than an Alex Bilzeal, for example. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the thing for me is uh, I think that he's he's going to be excited to play. I I think that he's probably going to be the first person to go see Tyler Myers after, at some point during the game. Yeah. I, I think I think he knows. I mean, he knows he has to make himself visible, right? He He's fighting for playing time. And I know that he understands where he is on, on a team, but you still want to make a, a good impression, yep. you know, playing for the team that you grew up watching and, and things like that. And, you know, he's, it, it'll be fun to see Corey Perry in a Canadian's Jersey. You know, he, you, he, he's going to be good in front of the net. He, he can, he has very good hand eye coordination. That's how he scored his goal in the scrimmage. Mm. Uh, when he was playing on the, uh, the AHL team. So, I, I think that it's it's like you said it's better that Corey Perry is in the lineup than Jordan Wheel or yeah, or someone definitely. like that you know it's it's just it's better it's it's better you know plain and simple so I I think that that's good from and this is where the Canadians depth is really going to show itself right because there's kind of two two prongs and I mentioned this in my takeaway uh, on on I have eyes on the prize.com 
is that there's two prongs to the Canadians' depth. The first one is the one that we've seen through five games, which is every line is, you know, getting their ice time. Every line is dangerous. Every line is scoring. And they just wear teams down because those teams have to rely on their top players and they can't roll the lines like Claude Julien can. So that's one part of the depth. The, the other part is that when you do have injuries, the replacements fit in seamlessly. And, yeah. and 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 everything is is working in a in a proper order, and and that's the part where Corey Perry and and Michael Felique and and players like that fit in, uh, and you know potentially Victor Mete if if Paul Byron can't go or, or Michael Felique or whoever, and, and that's the part where we haven't really seen it yet. I, I think I haven't. I tried to look this up, but I I couldn't find. I didn't have the time to really look at every single team. I I think that the Canadians to this point are the only team to have played only 18 skaters and two goalies. I, I don't think any other team has has done that where they they really literally have made no changes to their lineup this mm-hmm. season at all. And I, I again there's maybe one or two teams. Tampa Bay has only played three games. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're one of the teams that might have done that. But yeah, I didn't look it up. But I, I feel like it's it they're in the vast minority of teams that have done that. And now they get to show the other side of their their depth yeah and the fun thing is that we, we've talked about that as well in the past that guys like michael Frolik and Corey perry signed for the canadians because they um they saw that something was brewing and they were hoping to be a part of it even if it was a minor part which was why they signed for a league minimum wage and they knew that they weren't going to be that high on the depth chart that you know they would have to fight for their chances but they chose to come to the canadians Anyway, because they felt like, I mean, this team could go somewhere. And basically, the Canadians have shown now during five games that they potentially could go somewhere, like in practice as well. And um, that is the good part. Like getting a, it, it wouldn't be nice for a Corey Perry or a Michael Froelich to now feel after five games that they have to go in and salvage a team. But then now they are entering, like they are entering as you know, just, yeah, a, a piece of the puzzle, a very small piece of the puzzle that can go in and fit into, yeah, wherever the Canadians need them to be, but they aren't supposed to go in and produce a lot of points or something. They're just going to fill their role like Nate Thompson did last year um, as a veteran presence on the team. And that must feel kind of nice for them as well to just know that, well, they're entering into a team that has started on fire basically. And, uh, yeah, just um, roll with the roll with the punches and just have fun, guys. Yeah, exactly. And the Canadians are really rolling right now. Uh, yeah, they they lost, you know, the the game in in a shootout to Vancouver on Wednesday, which probably was a game they could have won, but they didn't really play that. Should well. have won. Like I, even even if even if they didn't play so well, I mean, they had a five four lead, but with only a few, yeah, yeah, with only three and a half minutes left. So, yeah, they should have kept kept um, kept <laughs> kept yeah. the sheet clean. Then, <laughs> and, and the thing is that they, they really didn't play, play well at all, and, and they still managed to stay in the game, which is good. That's what good teams do. Good. How many times have the Canadians deserved to win games in the past, but they played a team that was better than them, stayed in the game, and then beat them in the end? Yeah, exactly. Uh, or, I mean, or stole a point or, or something like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, all of these moral losses that like the Canadians had both last year and the year before was just like, oh, they are playing well now. At least they are not like, I mean, at least they are competing. 
but they just like i mean they had a great Corsi and everything it's just like oh they're producing a lot of shots but nothing is going in and now like if they have a down game like the first one against vancouver as you said they can still score goals and that's terrific i can remember when i felt this you know joyful about being a canadians fan even when they're not playing that well that's great <laughs> yeah i mean you know t- tyler tofoli Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> Tyler Toffoli had one of those two, like those two games that I don't know if I've ever seen a Canadians player have two games like that. Uh, and it's, it's, I, it's one of those games where like it would happen to Montreal. It wouldn't yeah. be Montreal doing, doing that to the other team. And yeah, I, I just, you knew it was coming. You knew, like you, you knew he was going to score goals. I just didn't expect him to score five in two games. No, he went from he went from a big fat zero to now being at the top, uh, the, uh, the, the the top goal scorer in the league together with Bo Horvat, and uh, it's just so fun that like because he has a tendency to score in the Canucks. He's done it before as well when he was a, in a Kings jersey. So the fact that the Canucks chose to not resign him, he goes to Montreal and he plays two games like this against his former teammates, and the, his former teammates in Vancouver knows that he will play them seven times more during the regular <laughs> yeah. season. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, and, and the funny thing is that he, he couldn't have known necessarily that he was going to sign in, in Montreal and be a division rival of the Canucks. No, it, no it's no, just of kind not. of a you know he probably they probably would, I, I forget you know when the Canadian division really started gaining steam yeah. as, as an option, but he, there might have been some inkling. But yeah, that's just a bonus for Montreal. <laughs> you know, having a guy who obviously was was motivated or just likes playing in vancouver for whatever reason he likes the the hotel or the ice or Mm. the the, i don't know the backdrop of the arena i I don't know for other reason it works for him and you know it it worked for the canadians and and that line getting going you know kind of took the pressure off right because you know after a first a good first game josh anderson really hadn't you know he's had good moments but he hadn't scored Uh, nick suzuki what was kind of up and down the Dano line, you know, didn't play very well on, on Thursday or yeah. at least Dano didn't himself. But the, the thing is, is that getting to Foley in the, in the, in there really takes the pressure off where if guys aren't having good games, the team can still win. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, being a while since you were this excited, the Canadians are at the top of the goal scoring list. Like it, it just doesn't, it just, it doesn't compute. It's it's not something that that this generation of the Canadians is is used to. But no, there, there was I'm not going to I'm not going to complain about it. You no, know, if, I, if I have to stay up, out. if I have to stay yeah. up until one o'clock in the morning, at least they're scoring goals, right? One o'clock? That's nothing. I mean, all <laughs> the games start at one o'clock in the morning, don't they? <laughs> No, no, but seriously, I, I read the tweet. I, I think it was some someone in the staff that that um, that just um, shared it and, and said that like the Canadians haven't started with uh, I think it's twenty three goals in five games since I, I think it was one time in the early eighties or something, and otherwise there were like four or five seasons when they started with more goals in five games and it was like back in the thirties. So like. Yeah, the Canadians aren't supposed to. And of course, it could be as well. We've seen in the... I'm just wondering, like, because defense has been, like, not very 
good uh, at the start of the season. I'm just wondering if it's the same as it has been in the NFL this season, where it's just like it takes time to make a defense work properly, like on the penalty kill and everything. And that goes for all teams. Like you can practice offense and offense, offensive skill and everything, and it can kind of come instinctively. But defensive positioning and everything kind of takes a little bit more time. So I'm just wondering if that has something to do with it, just in general in the league, maybe. Yeah, I think so. And you saw it with other teams, right? There are some crazy scoring games in the first week, and now it's it's starting to get a little bit slower, and uh, the the games aren't as high scoring in last year Montreal and Vancouver, and and then it kind of kind of goes away from from that. So yeah, I, I think that's a, that's an aspect to it because you know you can practice your your system, you can practice offense, you can't necessarily practice reacting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like even in practice, the defense knows what's coming because they yeah. practice the drill with the same drills. So I, I think that that's that that definitely is part of it. That it's harder to to react, and that's definitely part of the up and down of the penalty kill. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that that's definitely something that will improve, and and will transition into the defense and the scoring, and and go into to carry price. Yeah, and I. I think that, you know, the, the, the start of the seasons have, have always been kind of up and down for him, uh, especially early, early in the season. And especially with, the preseason has definitely always been kind of, if you have Kerry, right? Because with, with Kerry Price, I mean, the whole, the whole relax, chill out speech, that was the preseason. So I think that he's definitely still trying to get into his groove. And I saw something, uh, one of the, uh, the goalie experts on on Twitter. I forget who it was exactly, either Paul Campbell or or uh, uh, Kat, Kat Silverman. One one of those two. Uh, somebody was was saying somebody maybe Greg Ballack also. He, he's also, but was saying just don't overreact to goaltenders in the first couple of weeks of the season. There's no preseason. You know, J- Jake Allen not said even, after not even Tristan Jerry. <laughs> no, not even him. No, okay. Uh, but but at the same time, it's just re- relax to to, yeah. to take his own words. I, I you know even in the the game that they lost six five. Yes, yeah, actually, I, I was gonna say like because he has only played one game since we last recorded our yes. podcast. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and the game before that was his best game of the year. Exactly. Uh, so I'm just saying like I mean everyone, including Carey Price, can have a night off especially at the beginning of the season where it's just like everything is kind of off in the uh yeah as you say mm-hmm. reacting and everything so uh, so yeah I, w- I would i would hesitate before i would call like uh you know that it was a goalie crisis or something in the canadians just because they've led in a, a bunch of goals so they they score even more in every game basically so so at this point i feel quite calm about about carry price as well yeah, I think the major thing is is that you know, you look at the, the, the why it's getting attention is because the two games where the Canadians lost mm-hmm. in overtime or, or shootout was high scoring games that Carey Price started. Right? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, if, if 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 they if they win either one of those games, I don't think anybody really complains. No, but the the factor is is I I don't even know if there was a goal that I really blame Carey Price on. Like, yes, you'd like to get a couple of saves. But at the same time, you know, the there are a couple of goals that were from the slot on the penal, on the penalty kill on Vancouver power play, you mm. know, a couple of long shots with tons of traffic in front. I mean, 
And that's the thing that, that Jake Allen said after his first start, that the, the one thing that takes the longest to adjust and to practice is real traffic in front of the net. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's definitely where most of the goals are coming from right now mm-hmm. uh, on Kerry and uh, Kerry Price. And I, I think that that's, that's a factor. And again, it's not time to worry yet. Um, no. I, yeah, no, no, no need to worry. And part of that is because of Jake Allen, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, if, if it is something that will extend into, you know, a little bit later in the season, that's why you have Jake Allen and, and Jake Allen has been uh, pretty good in his two games, but you know, look at the games, the goals he gave, he gave up against Vancouver. And those are very similar goals to the ones that Carey Price gave up. So yep. maybe maybe the issue isn't goaltending right now for the Canadians. Maybe it's it's you know letting people shoot from where they're letting them shoot from. Yeah, like yeah, uh, obviously um, the more high quality scoring chances you give up, the more goals you will concede. I mean, no goalie in the league is that good that they can just um, yeah save any shot from any angle. But yeah, it's what we saw with. Jake Allen yesterday he let in three goals on a limited number of shots and that's not ideal either but at the same time the Canadians outscored uh, but uh, both outscored and outshot the Canucks uh, basically double um, and as long as you can produce that kind of offense the goalie isn't supposed to be your savior I think that the problem in in Montreal circles circles have been that for uh, 10 plus years everyone has expected Carey Price to be the savior of the franchise and now he doesn't have to be that anymore well now I'm talking from the start of the season and it's still young obviously but but the team is built in a different way now um, so Carey Price just has to perform on a regularly good level instead of being constantly great and then he can be truly great and rested in important situations like when you get into uh, an important stretch of games um, or or yeah obviously the playoffs but this early in the season haven't we heard all these stories like every season Carey Price lets in five or six goals in a game and maybe three or four goals in the next game and all of a sudden is he finished what is this going to do with the Carey Price contract is the Montreal Canadian are the Montreal Canadians supposed to um, leave him unprotected for the Seattle Kraken to take in the in the expansion draft like we've heard it so many times before that just it feels like a lot of media are just crying wolf at this time I, I don't think the people who are crying wolf are, are really should be considered necessarily media. Well, the Twitter media is still media, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not media. They're just on Twitter. Yeah. True. true. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, exactly. Listen, people didn't have anything to complain about. Right. So the, the, that's so the, weird. the thing is, the thing is people, people. Yeah. I think people are like, Oh, this team isn't perfect we have to find the one thing that isn't perfect and complain about it. It's a very and, Montreal thing to, to think about, right? It's not, not just Montreal. I think every team would be like complaining about things. It's success. It spoils you success. E- even the way that the Canadians are playing now, people are still like, Oh, it should be perfect. Why, why, yeah, exactly. why, why, why are we not winning? And I yeah, think this that, isn't that like the it. time of the rocket Richard, like he was much better than Josh Anderson. It just feels like when it comes to something to complain about uh, in today's Canadians, the way they've been playing for the first five games, I can't really find 
anything to complain about. Like what you said, for example, when we recorded the the podcast this weekend, last weekend, uh, was that, well, I mean, basically three lines had already shown up kind of, and we were waiting for the third line with uh, centered by Kotkaniemi to, to show up. And then we had the two games against, uh, against Vancouver and that line showed up. And Joel Armia had like had the most quiet four point game that I've ever heard of last night. No, no one really talked about it. And it's just um, they are producing on all cylinders. Like Alexander Romano, Romanov, Romanov had his um, had his first goal, for example, and that was only what five five days ago. Um, it feels already that he like he is a, a proven NHL vet at this point, and it's only been five games. Right. Yeah, it's it's crazy how like I, I Yogi Berra had a quote. It gets late early. Yeah. And 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 that's it's it's true, right? It's it's only five games, but it's still it's five games. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's a it's, tenth of the season. Exactly, it's a tenth of the season, and and things are just gonna go. And, and it's funny because you know after Saturday's game, they have almost a full week off. They they don't play again until Thursday. And, and those long days off just means that the rest of the schedule is going to be condensed, right? So it, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, going forward. But yeah, it's 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 early, but it's not that early. And, and you know, it's better to be winning and getting points like the Canadians have, who have yet to lose in regulation. By the way, uh, you know, better than doing that than the opposite, right? Yeah. If, if the Canadians hadn't won. A game in regulation yet you know people are like oh it's still early and, and you know now they're you know overblowing a lot of it it's it, it's inconsistent but that's that's what it is it's also interesting because we've had these long discussions about the teams that the canadians have faced now uh for the first week of the season have been like toronto edmonton and, and vancouver and we talked about um on the last podcast that they are kind of built up the same way with having a few a few stars and then uh, a bunch of guys basically and, and that may be hard to a team like yeah, maybe not that hard. But if you look at a team like Vancouver now, for example, they haven't got Elias Pettersson working. I mean, he 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 just looks off. The pass that he has had like on the power play cross ice that was just um, I think it led to the Toffoli um, one of the Toffoli goals last night, and it's just like that is not a pass that Elias Pettersson in in his normal uh, mental state makes, but he's not there right now. And there you see like when a team like, like the Canucks or, or the Oilers or the, uh, or the Maple Leafs don't have the guys in their right. Um, well, in, in basically in, in the super form that they need to be, they struggle naturally. Um, and the Canadians aren't really in that position and that just feels great. So yeah, Brendan Gallier, for example, who is the most proven goal scorer on this team, he only has one goal in five games, but yeah. does it matter? No. Phil Denoa hasn't really impressed that much during the first five games of the season. Um, not in a consistent way anyway. Does it matter? No. Because other guys are stepping up and taking their like taking their time to like they, they are using their time in the limelight to shine. And that's great. So even if a guy like Joel Edmondson has a night off, then someone else like uh, Jeff Petrie or a Ben Sharot or, or an Alexander Romanov can come in and produce. And that's terrific. So 
there is less pressure on each individual on this team and it just feels it just feels safer going forward than if i had to put all of my money on one or two guys yeah it, it's it's sustainable yeah right it, it's exactly. you can see how this team will sustain itself right yeah. it, it it's showing itself through five games and this is always the the idea that the canadians had right it was always going to seem this way like this yeah. was the path to them being good we didn't know necessarily whether it would work out or not but you can see the path that it would take for them to to move forward and, and that's what's been clear as day through the first five games of the season so uh it's it's still early but the the, the encouraging signs are are evident early on and you know, we talked about the penalty kill a little bit before, but yeah, it's it, it's so weird to hear them say we have to stop taking penalties, we have to stop taking penalties, and then they just don't stop taking penalties. <laughs> it's kind of difficult with the refs in in Vancouver now, though. Like the last two nights, it's been very inconsistent refereeing, so so it's difficult knowing what you can and can't do. Yeah, that, that's part of it, but still, I mean, it's the 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 weird thing is there's been what four puck over glass penalties this yeah season. that sucks that, that's just irresponsible <laughs> yeah there's nothing you can do about that you know even even joe evanson hitting a guy or was it joe evanson or uh, who am i thinking of who uh a uh, josh anderson uh in the yeah. first game josh anderson in the first game hitting uh quinn hughes was it quinn hughes i think it was quinn hughes yeah uh into the net uh, after the whistle like yeah <laughs> I understand why, like, it, you know, that's going to be called most of the time. Like, just don't do that. No. And so, yeah, it's um, the Joel Edmondson thing as well, I believe, was um, at the end of the period. You know, there, there's things like that where it's it's evident that, you know, there, there's some indiscipline. But even Claude Julien, after the, the first Vancouver game, said, you know, other than the Ben Chirot penalty, which he didn't really, or Brett Kulak penalty, um, where he didn't really touch him, the the Vancouver player, all the other ones were penalties. Yep. You know, and, and you know that's that's up to the Canes to fix. And they were better, to their credit, um, on Thursday in the second game. But but I think what's clear is that how much better they are at five on five than the teams that they've been playing, whether yes. it's Toronto or Edmonton or Vancouver. And I think that's the message. It's like, listen, just just play five on five. <laughs> you're, 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 that's, you know, if Canadians played their um, five games a season at five on five, they'd be five and zero. Oh. You know, and, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that's that much of a stretch to even say that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that now. That's also encouraging, right? You don't mm. want to necessarily ride a a power play to top spot in the division or, or things like that. You want to be sustainable uh and going back to what i was saying before and that's that's what the five on five play is yeah the, the penalties don't really worry me I, I i think that at this point they should know what that vancouver set play is mm-hmm. and and stop it <laughs> but that that's the only really uh, thing i can say about the penalty kill that is consistently being uh bad is is that that little play because you know i know it's coming you know, if I know it's coming, you know, yeah. you, you should Bo, stop. Bo it. Horvath knows it's coming, so <laughs> yeah. just put a, put a guy on him. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think that the thing is that they're so used to having because usually the the bumper just stays mm. in front of the net, yeah. right? So you, you just put Joel Edmondson or Ben Chirot on that guy, 
Mm. And then, but because he's moving around, I, I think that that's where the Canadians are having trouble is that they, they turn their backs to the, they turn their eyes towards the puck carrier. And then the bumper is just kind of roaming around and finding the, the soft spot. And before you realize it, he's already shot the puck past your goalie. So I, I know why it works. <laughs> and, and I think that the Canadians can, can take something from that. And you saw that late in the game on Thursday where they were literally trying to do that with Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. And yes, they're trying to get him the hat trick as well, but they were literally trying not play <laughs> over and over again uh, for, for Toffoli. And, and I think that that's something that they, they can and should incorporate. It's a great, it's a great uh, system where you have the guy roaming around because they're, everyone else's backs are turned. Mm-hmm. So it, it works. Uh, but at the same time, you have to start learning how to defend it as well. And, and I think that's obviously they're going to be doing film on that. You know, it, it's been two games where they've been uh, hurt by that. So, uh, Claude Julien is not a not a dummy, and I think that no. they'll they'll eventually fix that as well. But it's interesting what you said about like the five on five. If the Canadians played five on five uh, for just sixty minutes a night, they would like be constantly winning in uh, also these two shootout losses uh, or like overtime losses. Um, because I was thinking like. If we look at the fourth line, if they are healthy, like as as it has been this season with uh, with Byron, Lekkonen, and and Evans, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to like play them on as a, I, I wouldn't feel negatively about putting them against any line uh, that we faced this far. I, I think that like they are so solid and all round, uh, and Lekkonen and Byron by this time are are savvy vets. Um, that I wouldn't feel bad about having them uh, all of a sudden going out against uh, a McDavid line or something because they won't be run down by it. And that is not something that a lot of uh, teams can say about their fourth line. So it's just uh, it's, it's just interesting to see that um, basically, as I've said, like all of the lines kind of keep up and it just feels yeah. like no matter who you put out there, they will do a solid enough effort and a 200-foot game so that you can count on them. And accountability is really important for Claude Julien, uh, especially now at the start of the season. Yeah, Jake Evans has really been the revelation. You know, yes. you can talk about uh, Josh Anderson, you can talk about... Uh, Tyler Toffoli, Nick Suzuki, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Romanov. All, all those guys were, were people who, who were expected, even Alexander Romanov. Like, he mm. was expected to do well, right? Like, mm. the, the, the weak link on, on the roster, if you looked at it on paper, was Jake Evans. It's yeah. like, oh, can, can he do that, right? Like, th- there, was always, there was a question mark. And even me, who watched him in Laval for the last two years, you, you had that question mark. And even in the postseason, he was good, but he wasn't – he wasn't as good as he is now. Like he, he legitimately uh, has has shown. I think, I think what is happening is that he is playing the kind of game that people expect from Ryan Paling. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think that's that's what's happening is that yeah. he is turned into. And there are different styles of players. I don't want to necessarily. Um, and he's also three years older. Than right, right. He's also older, yeah. exactly, yeah. and more professional experience. Yes, th- this is by no means me saying Ryan Paling is not going to get to the point where Jake Evans is. No, I'm just thinking when people look at Ryan Paling as a taxi squad player or a scratch in the postseason, and they're like, oh, they should be playing Paling. I-, I think that's what they're expecting from him, and I don't think Paling is there yet. Uh, whether you look, you know, take take his first game in the NHL aside. You look at his performance in the AHL, 
Jake Evans has been better in the AHL than Ryan Paling. And Definitely. again, that's not a knock on Paling. He has no, work a, to do. It's, <laughs> it's something, it's a positive just for Jake Evans. Basically. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. J- Jake Evans is, is solidifying his spot, not only in the organization, but in the NHL. And yeah. and I think, yeah. I, you know, he will not he will not go back to the AHL. He's an NHL player now. Whether it's in Montreal or anywhere else, he's an NHL player. And I think that much is clear at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, and I'm thinking, like, uh, if we touch on the Paling-Evans comparison again, um, I think it can actually hurt at this point that Ryan Paling actually is a first-rounder because it must be difficult for you who have always been kind of the star player. Uh, you were the MVP of the World Juniors. You scored four goals, including the shootout winner in your uh, NHL debut against the arch-rivals from Toronto. Um and then you're all of a sudden just leapfrogged by this seventh rounder who, yeah, he's a few years older, but you were like basically ahead of him. Yeah. You've been ahead of him for all of your life. And especially like when you got sent down to Laval, you were expecting to be the first call up and you kind of weren't. Um, and when you got the call up, you didn't really perform. So when it was time for playoffs, this, uh, and they had already traded away someone like Nate Thompson, who was an obvious obvious choice for a fourth-round center role. Um, and then there was an opening, and Jake Evans went in and took it from you. And it's got to be, like, now is an important road uh, block for, uh, yeah, for Ryan Paling for his future career, because obviously he's a hockey player and he will play on a high level. But And he's still only 21 years old, but it's just important, like that mental ability of being able to, because Jake Evans has had to uh, just struggle his entire career, basically. He's a seventh rounder and no one was expecting really him to, uh, to make the leap even to the pros. And then he went into Notre Dame and, and performed well for four years and just becoming consistently better. And then he came into the AHL and performed consistently better. And then now he's up to the NHL level and plays consistently better. But for someone like Paling, who kind of has had it all, it's more difficult now that you may have to see yourself in. I don't think Paling at this point still sees himself as um, what maybe more and more fans and uh, and analysts see uh, a bottom six center kind of guy. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, is the ego bit, of, uh, does the ego have difficult, um, difficult time handling that? I don't know. Uh, I don't know Ryan Paling, but I'm just, I just hope that he can just accept the challenge and be ready for when his opportunity comes because it will come during the season and just um, show us all what a great hockey player he has the potential of being. Yeah. And the, the funny thing for me is also, you know, going to this season and, and the other side of things is Philip Deneau mm-hmm. and, and going into this season, obviously he's becoming a free agent. There, there's, you know, rumors that came out on, on Thursday about what the contract offer from the Canadians was. And, you look at it and everyone was like, okay, maybe Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kanyemi can show that this team doesn't necessarily need to know. And I think even Jake Evans, you know, if I would not have a problem with this team going into a season with Suzuki, Cut, Kanyemi, and Evans as the top three centers. I, I, I don't think I would have a problem with that. 
I, I think, you know, when you factor in salary and things like that, obviously I'm not saying Evans is better than Dano. I, I'm saying when it comes to production, salary cap management, things like that, yep. I, I think that Evans, you know, you see him on the penalty kill. He, he they're, they're kind of grooming him for that, that kind of role uh, where he, you know, he'll be matched up against uh, tough players. And he has stuff to learn. He's still a rookie at this point but but i think i i think at this point it, it's it's part of he's entering himself in the conversation a lot quicker and a lot more forcefully than, than i think people expected and i was kind of hoping for that to happen because i felt like dano will be an a difficult signing because with brendan gallier and jeff petrie it was kind of obvious you needed to extend those guys to to be able to show for the rest of your franchise that well, we're going for it, basically. Um, with Phil Dano, he, he's a an extremely um, well-rounded, two two hundred foot guy, and and he plays a, a very solid game for for almost yeah almost every time he, he's on the ice. But it's just I I know what he has said. He has said that he took a pay cut the last time to stay with the Canadians, and he doesn't want to do it again. And he was sixth or seventh in the Selkie. Um, in the Selkie, um, what do you call it, nominations or or in the Selkie votings for last year, and well deservedly. I mean, the the line he has anchored with Tatar and Gallier has been one of the best lines in the NHL on a consistent advanced stats basis, and therefore I think that he deserves a. a a good contract he's 27 he's the same age as me and i think that he wants a good payday and i understand that and but it may have to be away from the canadians if if the cap stays somewhere where we expect it to be uh because i, I at this point with extensions coming up for guys like suzuki kotkaniemi uh, romanov uh, and uh, other players i just don't see the possibility of keeping guys like Tatar or Dano but we'll see and Mark Bergevin has like done wonders before uh, with just um, being able to um, to magically uh, perform something into into cap possibilities so we'll see what happens and and I love those guys and of course I wish that everyone who plays for the Canadians right now could be Canadians for life but it's just a cruel world of, of cap hell and you don't want to be in cap hell look at the Chicago Blackhawks like yeah I, I think at a certain point what it comes down to is how badly do these players want to stay in montreal and that's what it's going yeah. to come down to uh you know like like a lot of people have said you can't pay everybody and no. that's just the reality of the situation and it'll be interesting to see you know as the season goes on you know what what will happen you know there's still lots of time for an agreement to come into place and you, you saw how quickly it happened with brendan gallagher right yeah. it was a matter of what a day uh, day was it even two days? I think it was probably the next day. I don't yeah, remember. I think it was the next day yeah, because it, it was it very was just, fast. It was yeah. very fast. So yeah, you can see how these things turn out. Listen, they're not that far apart in terms yeah. of talks, right? When you're the, the, when, when in the big in the grand scheme of things, a million dollars is not that. You know, it's in a negotiation like this, it's not that much, right? Yeah. And and eventually, one of the sides will, you know, if the sides want to get a deal done, they'll get a deal done. That that's yeah. what it comes down to. So yeah, it'll be interesting to watch as the season goes on. And and who you know makes themselves available? Who, who wants to stay on? You know who wants to stay on team? Who comes in? Who takes spots from who? And and things like that. So yeah, it's it's something to watch for. But we'll cut this um, off now uh, because we're going to have another podcast shortly after the the game in Vancouver and and into the 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 four days off before the home opener. 
I believe Patrick's definitely going to be back for that one. Uh, I don't know who, who, I think we have a guest lined up as well. Uh, probably one of us will be there at least as well. So we'll, we'll keep you posted with that. We'll have everything for you on HabsEyesOnPrize.com going forward. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're just listening to the podcast, go to the website, leave your comments. Uh, like Patrick said last time, we we read them all. We try and incorporate what you give us in terms of questions or feedback because you know we, we don't do this just to hear ourselves talk. Exactly. We're very interested in interacting with the community. So obviously we want our, your response because we're doing this podcast mostly for you guys. Exactly. Anton, thank you for joining me. Thank you for Pleasure. listening. Stay safe. And uh, we'll see you next time on Have Some Wonder.